This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 12 of the Emerald Flow Show. We are a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show and follow us on any of the major podcasting apps. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review and a nice uh, little comments on our show. And you can go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate to donate to the show if you are so inclined. Paul, this is a record for us. We came right back. It was like literally the shortest turnaround between episodes ever because it's because we recorded like last Thursday and it's Tuesday now. So that's, yeah, very quickly. Well, a lot happened and I couldn't wait because we wouldn't be getting to Champions Night 4 until like probably the middle of next week. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so strike while the iron's hot. Um, and we have more to, than that to talk about. Um, but, uh, you know, shame on Wrestle Universe for not getting that Noah show up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I mean, it's also weird because normally they're super quick with the turnaround for that. Yeah. I can with the Abima shows, like they're up like an hour or two afterwards on like Wrestle Universe now. And it's been like two, three days. Uh, maybe it was some other like recording team out in Kobe. Cause most of the recorded stuff is like from Tokyo, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, maybe maybe they just yeah, who knows what's yeah, happening. With I don't know, but so to well, we'll talk about Noah because a couple things got announced. But uh, as a special treat, we are covering the first two rounds of the King of DDT tournament. Uh, so, uh, do you think there's any housekeeping to do before or we should we jump right into Champions Night Four? Uh, no, I think we can jump straight into Champions Night Four. Okay, so on June nineteenth, All Japan held its Champions Night. Four at uh, Oda City General Gymnasium, drawing 1,398 fans, which was slightly up by about like 80 or so from the March uh, Champions Night 3. 
And I will call that a success. And I'll get to that in a reason for a second. I'll call, we'll call it a great success, but I definitely won't call it a favor because there was a huge uh, kickboxing match called the match at the Tokyo dome going, the show was going on at the same time and it drew like 56,000 people. And also it came out today that it drew 500,000 buys on pay-per-view in Japan. So Paul, I think that number is pretty reasonable given the competition. Yeah. I think that number is reasonable. It's also right in line with what they what they drew previously. Right. At the same venue as well. So I think that's definitely an okay number. I mean, we also like, we get to it later when we talk about DDT because it definitely seems like that the kickboxing match did have an influence on uh, other shows within Tokyo. So right. I think it definitely showed that there's like a loyal, like all Japan audience that wants to go to all Japan shows specifically. I was expecting this could hit 1500 or more to be honest with you, but I will take this given the competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it could have reached that. I mean, it did low, fairly load up the show as well. But yeah, I mean, given that there were 56,000 people in Tokyo Dome, where they were also allowed to cheer, I think this is an okay number. Yeah. Uh, so the first match of the show, Oji Shiba defeats uh, Ryo Inoue in four minutes and 53 seconds with a crab hold. I thought this was a really good opener. It was a little shorter than the sort of young guys match. But like Shiba looks really good. He's got that sort of like pep in his step that like a lot of Dragon Gate trainees have and everything like that. And uh, Inoue was a good opponent for him. So this was good. And I think uh, Shiba passed the test and I think they should be bringing him back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Shiba could be a kind of a good undercard guy. Uh, he is solid. Uh, like I wouldn't really expect anything super special from him. As I said, he kind of has that pep in his step that Dragon Gate guys have, but he is someone that has had massive injury issues in the past. So I think you can bring him back for undercut stuff, but I would be kind of hesitant to give him anything more than that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I Unless he like goes like a year or two without like injuring yeah. himself, I would uh, keep him, you know, in the, the first or second match. Which given, given the way his Dragon Gate run went, like we don't even need to go to a year. We only need to go to like six months or probably even less than that. This was pretty much injured the entire time he was there. And then um, the second match was the Gaora TV uh, Championship four-way ladder match. Toshizo defeats Izanagi, Black Mensoray, and Yusuke Kodama in seven minutes and 37 seconds with a fisherman's buster on Mensoray. Now, I was under the impression that this was a traditional climb the ladder match. It was not. It was just everyone brings a ladder as a weapon. Now, uh, Japanese promotions will do that sort of match uh, often but i will say though um all japan has done a climb the ladder match because who could forget the epic tables ladders and chairs match between yoshitatsu and jun kasai last year yeah of course uh yeah i'm not sure why this was even a ladder match <laughs> it's like it didn't even play into it like the, the finish like there was no ladder involved in that at all like they just used a bunch of ladders early on in the match and then they just kind of stopped using them after a while I mean, I did love at Izanagi's tiny stepladder that he brought with him. Oh, that was the best part of the match. <laughs> that, was, that was the best part of the match, yeah. But then after they were done with that spot, then they were just like, and now we're done with ladders, and now it's just a four-way. Yeah, there was um, there was a, uh, a few ladder spots in the beginning, like crashing into them and doing yeah. moves on them. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't, you could have just done a regular four-way. Yeah, yeah. It, it was... Especially for going like seven and a half minutes. And... Yeah, I... I it's one of the things I'm like a little bit worried about the new 
direction of the company where I hope this doesn't just become like, you know, like WWE, which just like, ah, let's just do a ladder match be because. So I hope that doesn't become like a regular thing. Um, but yeah, I probably would have actually liked this more if it would have been just a regular four way rather than like doing like token ladder spots, basically. So the interesting thing about this, uh, since this is a Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network podcast, I will happily unmask Toshizo. It's Ryuji Hijikata, who's a part-time uh, wrestler whose day job is a city councilor in Sayama, in Saitama Prefecture. So I don't know how much he's going to be around, but like, this is just a, um, like, let's uh, establish the voodoo murders type thing, I guess. I mean, I don't see any other reason for that. I mean, there is some Toshizo stuff later in the show as yeah. well, which we're going to get into, or let's just say Toshizo. Uh, so maybe it has something to do with that, uh, or maybe all Japan just runs to run Saitama Super Arena at some point <laughs> later in the year. So that might also be the reason. I mean, it just Izanaki once again has a title and doesn't successfully defend it, and it's a shame because like Irie was a pretty good uh, Gaora TV champion. Yeah, yeah, I think I lamented that like on our last show where it's like. They always seem like there's always every once in a while you have like great like gay or TV title reigns. So you're kind of hoping that they're actually going to do something with the belt. And then they put it on Izanagi and then they immediately flip it over to Toshizo. And now it's just, again, just a complete like under undercard belt. Like, and I wouldn't match on the show. I wouldn't expect Toshizo to hold it that long. No, but I'm also have like no idea who is even going to win it. Like, probably Black Mansoury. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's might or might not be a former gay or tv champion paul and that sounds like slander uh i mean who knows uh i mean who even would be like potentially be the bug guy under the mask i mean we know it can't be shohei nakajima because he's still suspended <laughs> he can't be under that mask and um so after that, we had sort of the official comedy match of the show, even the previous match had a little bit of it. Masanobu Fuchi, Takao Mori, and the new sensation ATM defeated Yoshitatsu, Masao, Inoue, and Sushi after uh, Omori pinned Sushi with an axe bomber. Uh, this was fine. I mean, I like this stuff. I like seeing Fuchi. ATM's hilarious. It probably could have shaved a minute or two off this match, but, uh, you know, completely inoffensive comedy match. Yeah, that was fine. Um, happy though that you uh, that you watched the Fortune Dream show and mentioned that uh, Omori uh, was currently in no fear mode. Yes, because I would have been confused why he was blonde. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, so he didn't been, die it back. Yeah, he he didn't die it back. Yeah, so I probably would have been like, why is he blonde? Is he gonna join Voodoo Murderers? But like, no, okay, it's just because he's uh, uh, because of the Fortune Dream show. Uh, yeah, but otherwise, uh, okay, kind of lower card match. And uh, the show picked up from here. Uh, and then we had Atsuki Aoyagi defeating Rising Hayato in 10 minutes and seven seconds of the Firebird Splash. And then after the match, Atsuki looks like he's going to go over and, um, you know, like, you know, help up his tag team partner, but he just sort of stares at him and then walks away. We'd learn later that Atsuki has left Next Dream to join back up with his brother. And uh, I thought this was an awesome match. I went four stars on it, just like quick, fast pace everyone hit their moves there was like i don't even think there was some boxes or if so like it was just like very small hardly noticeable and just like yeah this is our this is the 
all Japan junior division of the future right now. So like, if you want a taste of what's coming, uh, this was a great match to see it in. Yeah, I also thought this was really good. I'm probably not quite as high on it as you are, but I still thought this was like an incredible showcase for both men here. Uh, uh, yeah, we've been talking about like how these are like not. It's not just a showcase about like what they can do or like the people that they can become, but the people that they actually are now. And it also kind of shows that that's what the promotion thinks as well, because they gave him the singles match here, just kind of like seemingly like somewhat random singles match. But it really was just like to give them kind of the stage uh, at this big show in front of all of these people to just have a, uh, just have a match and just really show that like they have arrived now and that these guys are going to carry the junior division for most likely like years going forward as well. Like this was one of their first singles matches against each other. Like I'm not sure if they've had one before. Uh, they would have had one in this SNRO Cup tournament in 20... Yeah. 20 or 2021. Yeah, but it definitely wasn't like this. Let's put it that way. Like, right. Probably, oh, definitely. I don't remember it, but it was definitely like a very different match. So that actually probably would be interesting to watch those two matches like back to back and just like compare how far they've come in like two years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, no, just a great showcase. And I, I think I feel very confident in saying that this is going to be a junior title match in the not too distant future. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. Well, we'll get more into that later. Uh, maybe it won't be for a while. Uh, uh, next up, making his uh, eagerly awaited return, Naoya Nomura defeated Hokuto Omori in four minutes and 29 seconds with the maximum, which is his Death Valley driver. This was pretty great for a sub five minute match. Like Omori, like, you know, sort of continuing from the angle where they got in each other's face, like Omori attacked Nomura after the, uh, before the bell on the outside or yeah. And then like Nomura, obviously like much larger, sort of like roughed up Omori, got back in the uh, initiative and then they got into the ring and like Nomura was just brutalizing Hokuto. And then, you know, Hokuto got a couple of hope spots, but then like, Nomura shut it down with like a spear and the maximum and you know this match was short but it did exactly what it needed to do like it was a, hot, a quick hot match that uh, Nomura was dominant in yeah and what I actually thought in this match is oh, when I was looking at the two of them in the ring is that I think Hokuto actually has a chance to be a believable heavyweight because he didn't look out of place in there with Nomura like it definitely could have been like a thing where like Nomura just towers over him and like Hokuto doesn't really look like someone that would be like able to pull off believable offense against him. But I think he actually looked like someone that could, that belongs in there with heavyweights. Because he's, I mean, he's a bit undersized for all the pan standards for heavyweight. But I think he's kind of, he makes that up because he is getting like, he's starting to become like a really thick boy now. Mm-hmm. So I think he, if the promotion actually wants to make him a heavyweight, I think it would be believable. I think so too, yeah. And I kind of thought that for a while since he started balking up. Uh, I don't know if this is he's going to run into a Koji Iwamoto situation, but maybe uh, maybe they'll be more open to it in the future. Yeah, I mean, it is seems to be that the mindset is changing to some degree, and I mean, he would obviously like he would easily be a heavyweight in like pretty much every other promotion in Japan. It's pretty much just all Japan where like you have to kind of put the question mark behind it. He's like probably the size of Naito. Oh yeah, he is pretty much like I think he is actually taller than Nakajima. By like a centimeter, but still, yeah, um, yeah, you know, 
so then after that, a bit of a controversial one, I saw some uh, shocked responses on Twitter to this in watching it live. In the PWF uh, World Junior Heavyweight title match slash Atsushi Aoki Memorial match, Tiger Mask defeated Hikaru Sato in 14 minutes and 51 seconds with the Tiger Suplex holds. And uh, Sato came out carrying the version of the PWF World Junior Heavyweight title that was given to uh, Aoki's family after his passing. So, you know, when, when I saw him come out with that, I was like, oh, well, he, he's not losing this match. Well, this is, a, this is an Aoki tribute match. And so uh, they proceeded to then have him lose the match because it's funny, Paul, because you were thinking, yeah, Tiger Mask is winning this. And then I think, I think even you sort of thought, oh, it's the Aoki Memorial match. Yeah. He's, he, okay, he's not, he's, Sato is going to win then. But no, uh, as for the match itself, I actually liked it. I thought, like I expected, Sato was a good opponent for him. They did the mat work, the body limb uh, parts, and the striking. I thought Tiger Mask looked a little weaker towards the end um, with when he got into the bigger moves, but still, I thought it was pretty solid, all things considered. Um, what do you think, Paul? Yeah, it was solid overall, but it was somewhat hurt for me because, well, yeah, I was also kind of shocked with the... Uh, with the outcome, especially as he said, because literally brought out Aoki's title, uh, and then he loses. Uh, but because of that, I also thought that for sure Sato was going to win. So I kind of had a hard time kind of getting into the match because I thought the outcome was a foregone conclusion. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, I was shocked when Sato just got pinned. Um, so, but yeah, solid match overall. Uh, I mean, if that's this the Tiger match, then that we're getting guess it's going to be a decent title reign i mean let's see how motivated he's going to be on like the spot shows and everything but just or based off of people. this performance it could be good reign yeah i was gonna say like or works with people with them you know i think Sato's a good complimentary style he's gonna as we'll talk about he's gonna be working with people with different styles uh because after the match uh dan tamar and izanagi came out to uh challenge and it makes no sense for Izanagi to be challenging for this title. It doesn't make sense for Dan Tamara to be challenging. No. All the time. I know, I know. But I think what it is is that New Japan's requiring a defense quota for their wrestler before they, he can drop it. I mean, that's the only explanation I can come up with. Yeah, I yeah, know, because they, they're basically going to have as many junior title matches in like the next two months as they had in like the rest of the year so far. Yeah, so we'll get more into that later, but they're both getting a shot. Uh, not in a three-way though, which I thought was originally what they had said, but no. Um, and then we had, uh, well, interesting uh, result. Shuji Kondo defeated Yuma Aoyagi in 11 minutes and 33 seconds of the King Kong Lariat. I thought this was pretty good, but not like great, but I did sort of like it still. I mean, it's a pretty solid match against two tremendous workers, but then it's just like someone that I assume is is Toshizo because the commentary said Toshizo, but he was wearing a, a, like a, a mask over his regular mask, I think. Yeah. Came out in the aisle way. And I think we were supposed to think, because he didn't actually interfere. We're supposed to think that Yuma got distracted and then like, you know, Shuji hit like a short lariat and then the King Kong lariat to finish him off. Very surprising match because, you know, uh, Kondo was like, the PWF junior champion in like 
late 2018, he was feuding with Koji Iwamoto. So, and he was of course, previously champion went back, like when he was in all Japan uh, full-timer and like uh, under Mudo. So he's like in Canon, still a junior, but he beats the champion carnival winner. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand why people might get angry at some of this booking and don't know where it goes, but I don't know. We'll see because we're getting more of Kondo, but Paul, what do you think of the match? The match was fine. Uh, never really got out of second gear for me. Um, so definitely could have, could have been better, but it was still solid overall. But then the finish just completely confused me. Like I was just, baffled like i had to like go back and like see what actually happened yeah i, I went back to you and just, watched like, it i like maybe Iyagi was distracted but they never even showed whether or not Iyagi even knew that toshizo was there if that even was toshizo which i'm still not fully convinced that that actually was toshizo because there was like a different mask thing but again like it's also not because we didn't really see what he did in between coming out and then when they did the finish like he wasn't visible at all during the finish and then he came into the ring not with the same mask so we don't really know where he went like did he take off that other mask in front of the crowd did he go back or did that person go backstage and then normal mask Toshizo comes back out yeah so it was just incredibly weird like it was definitely like to me like the match itself was fine but just the entire booking of it just left a sour taste in my mouth because it was just confusing yeah like, i mean I, like i actually would have liked it more if toshizo had actually run in and hit him with the gas can and that leads <laughs> to the finish because at least i would have understood what happened right. i still don't really understand what actually happened here what i did like though in the post match was atsuki coming in like literally from off screen onto the top rope and just flying in for the save. I did like that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Atsuki versus uh, Kondo would be a pretty awesome match. You know, like a high flyer with a guy who's a great base. Yeah. But then like, what message does that send when like <laughs> the junior brother beats Kondo when yeah, like, the yeah. champion carnival winner can't, which again, like I'm not sure just like, because I would still count that as a clean finish because I was given no indication that Yuma Aoyagi was distracted. Because, yeah. there was also, because there was also a significant like, time gap between Toshizo coming out, just kind of standing there, and then Kondo hitting the King Kong Lariat. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just incredibly weird. This might have something to do with the fact, as I mentioned, that Kondo is getting an open the, open the dream gate shot. But then why even book the match if you know that like Kondo has to go over like one of your bargaining stars? So like yes. I don't know. I, to me, there isn't, isn't really that much of a defense for this booking. Like, I, it's just I do not usually uh, advocate this for a singles match on a big show, but if you couldn't pin Kondo, it would have just made more sense to have a like a fuck finish like DQ. Yeah. It's because I mean, it's it murderous. murderous. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, you know, you could still have Asuki come out and make the save, like, from, like, you know, Yuma getting beaten down. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, the only uh, thing I'm still, like, is that the person that came out wasn't actually Toshizo, where maybe it is Noya Nomura. No, I don't think so. Only because of stuff that's been announced for uh, upcoming shows. I guess it's not impossible, but I don't think it was. Um, but I would assume that these guys will tangle maybe in the Odo tournament again. 
yeah, and then Yuma gets his win back there. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. So yeah, I could see that, but like, yeah, he better it, be it getting this still, win back. Yes, yes, it it is incredibly weird, but I mean that would make sense. I mean it depends. Wait, is the Odo because okay? Let's say Kondo. It's in August. I mean, if he loses, if he loses against Kai, then it doesn't matter anyway. But even if he wins the Dream Gate, he's probably going to drop it at Kobe World, which when is be when is his when does he face Kai? Uh, that is uh, at the beginning of July, and then. Kobe World's later in July, right? Yeah, so he would be like a very short title reign anyway, and then probably after the Odoo tournament, he oh after Kobe World, he can very easily drop a fall to uh, Yuma. So right. So but still, like it's just incredibly, incredibly weird decision. Yeah, because Suji Condor hasn't really been portrayed as a heavyweight, so it's just yeah, very odd. I think some others may disagree with this, but I think that was the weirdest booking on the show. Yeah, I, it's that this one was even weirder to me than like Hikaru Sato losing the Hitsushi Aoki Memorial match. Yeah. Um, well, that one, uh, I think, you know, New Japan man, may, I don't know for sure, of course, but may have yes. had something to do yes. with it. Whereas I think all Japan could have avoided this a little yeah. easier. This Not that they could have unforced. Yeah. Uh, so, in what I thought was an incredible, pleasant surprise that I was ecstatic to see. Shotaro Ashino and Ryuki Honda defeated Shuji Ishikawa and Kohei Sato in 16 minutes and nine seconds when Ashino made Ishikawa tap out to the ankle lock. The Twin Towers failed on their second title defense. And Honda becomes, and I check this, Honda becomes the youngest world tag team champion in all Japan history at 22 years old. Uh, This match, I was like iffy because... You know, the Twin Towers are old guys, but uh, Honda and Ashino brought it. And, you know, um, Sato, you know, did a few things, but he didn't get in the way either. And Ishikawa worked hard and he, he put over Ashino strong in the end. And there was like, because I was expecting the Twin Towers to win, I, you know, I really bit on those near falls in this match and they were awesome. Yeah, I, I also absolutely love this match. I went uh, four and a quarter on this one. Yep, same with me. Yeah, so uh, I thought it was awesome. Like same as you, I bought on some of those near falls as well, where I was like, oh, "Okay, here we go." And I was also like, "Oh," and they're also pinning Ashino as well. Okay, and then he kicks out. Uh, I thought that was really great. I also love when uh, at the sequence when Ashino had uh, Ishikawa in the ankle lock, and then Kohisato comes in and like tries to break it up, and then Honda just runs into the ring and just suplexes uh, Sato pretty much out of the ring and out of the match because I think he wasn't really seen again and then we went straight into the finishing sequence with Ishikawa and Ashino and I thought that was really awesome as well where Ashino just continuously manages to like roll out of Ishikawa's attempts to shake him off and just rolls back into the ankle lock just refuses to let go until he finally gets Ishikawa to tap out which I also didn't expect because I was like there is a chance that they're winning but I didn't expect Ishikawa to just straight up tap out as well. Yeah. Uh, I thought that Splash Mountain that Ashino escaped, I thought that was it. Like that was going to yeah. be the end of the match, right? I, I I already was like on the Fire Thunder Driver. I was already like, oh, yeah, of course. Is yeah. it? I was like, oh, it's like, okay, here we go. And no, and then he kicks out. Uh, so yeah, no, I thought 
and again, like I mean, talking about like some negative booking decisions. This was a great booking decision. This was this was a really really good booking decision. Uh, as I said, Honda is now the youngest tag team champion ever, so uh, they're clearly like trying to push him. Uh, and this is also the perfect spot for him because he can just develop more while he gets hidden a little bit as well within this tag team, and then hopefully this will be like a little bit of a longer title reign, but we'll see about that. Oh yeah. We'll get to that uh, in a second. Um, so after that, <laughs> our semi-main event, uh, Suwama and Taru defeated Yuji Nagata and Dan Tamara in 11 minutes and 55 seconds after Suwama uh, pinned Tamara with a backdrop. I will say, I thought this was um, fine. I thought it wasn't a disaster at all. Like, you know, like a, three-star match. I mean, there was some decent wrestling between Nagata and Suwama, and Dan, once again, uh, got, like, you know, put in the dog chain in the in the collar and the leash, got hit with the board. His back got cut up bad again. Uh, so that sort of added some, like, you know, brutality and drama to the match. I kind of expected Nagata to, like, pin Taru here or something like that, but uh, I guess not. But other than that, I mean, hey, can't complain about this match. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I definitely find it at least a little bit questionable that they're letting like Dan live out as kings on live TV. So uh, that's a bit weird. But it's also like he just challenged for the junior belt and then immediately on his match on the same show he gets pinned. Yeah. So it's strong challenger right there. I mean, otherwise though, it, it was fine. I think generally. Dan has been really great in this role of like getting beat up by voodoo murderers. Mm -hmm. But oh. it is also, it is starting to get a little samey as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's like the same thing. And then there's going to be yeah. more matches with Nagan and Tamara uh, against voodoo murders. Uh, forgot to mention uh, Dan naively tried to win Suwama back over by presenting him with some onigiri. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Suwama refused it. And then at the end of the match, Suwama took the onigiri and stuffed it in Dan's mouth while Dan was like lying on the mat. They also stuffed it in his mouth and then he hit him with a lariat. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was literally like, he was so, Suwama was so offended by being like offered this onigiri because he just kept coming back after the match to just beat up Dan some more. Like up into him literally ripping out the barricade and throwing it into the ring onto Dan as well. Oh, yes, that's right. And like that kind of hit him accidentally badly too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that don't like the voodoo murder stuff. And, I, and, and trust me, this could go off the rails. But I do sort of like the ongoing story with Dan and Suwama and calling back to the, uh, the Onigiri because that was a thing that brought back evolution previously before they looked like they were going to fall apart before. But I'm actually wondering, like, because obviously he's te teaming with Yuji Nagata now, but given that Voodoo Murderers are doing all of this, like, weapon stuff and everything, wouldn't there be a partner that Dan Tamara has teamed with before that has actually led to a fallout between him and Suwama before that he might want to bring in to, like, fight Suwama with? Yeah. Talking well, about Abdullah Kobayashi. See, I wonder if he was... Abdullah was originally slotted in this role, but they were able to get Nagata. Yeah, I could see that as well. So they pretty much were like forgetting Nagata instead. Yeah, but I, I actually, that would have been, re I don't know, I get it from a drawing perspective, but it would have been so much cooler from like a storyline perspective. Yeah. Where then it also made more sense that like Suwama kicked him out for teaming with Abby 
And then that actually comes back later in the year where he then teams against Suwama with Abby after Suwama turned on him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was a decision with like who they could get, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. It just does. That would be better long-term uh, storytelling. That's for sure. And our main event for the triple crown, Jake Lee defeated Kento Miyahara in 27 minutes and 57 seconds with the D4C to win the uh, triple crown for the second time. And uh, Miyahara uh, was unsuccessful in his fifth defense of the triple crown on this in his fifth reign. Uh, I actually really like this match. It seems to be getting some pretty good reviews, although I took a gander on cage match and there were some people uh, less enthusiastic about it. But I actually said in my review, on, you can read it at voicesofwrestling.com. I actually thought this was the best Jake and Kento uh, singles match since Jake uh, turned heel. Although, you know, whether how much of a heel he still is, is debatable, which I thought sort of helped the match because Jake was doing less you know, trying to show us how evil he was and just getting and wrestling, uh, you know, a more of a straight match with Kento. I thought this obviously was paced very well. It was pretty much all action and, you know, a pretty good uh, finishing stretch. And, but also like a win that was that didn't feel like Jake just barely pulled it out. He still put Kento away with a couple of high kicks in the knee back to the, to the back of the head before the D4C. And I actually think this, was the second best All Japan match of the year after the Champion Carnival Finals. Paul, what do you think of the match? Yeah, I thought the match was great. I went four and a half stars on yeah, this one. Same. Uh, I wasn't super happy with the uh, with the outcome of the match, but I can't really fault the match itself too much. Yeah, it said like it was just a great performance uh, by both men. Uh, uh, it also like it felt like a struggle as well. It's really could feel that also that these two are like really familiar with each other, which they really played up a lot uh, in the build. They played it up as well in the video package before the match, which I thought was really, really good too. Um, I mean, Jake did say that this was kind of the last Triple Crown match they were going to have. I don't fully believe that, but... Well, I would take that more if he had lost. That would have been... Yeah. Like, I mean, it depends like how long this Jake Lee title reign is going to be. Yeah. But, I mean, I assume that Kento is going to win it again. And whenever he will like win, like not sure if Jake will ever win it beyond these two reigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kento obviously will win it again. And I mean, I don't think that all Japan will be able to resist booking this match again. No. Nope. When they get the chance to. So this is just yet another time of Jake just saying things that aren't that won't be true <laughs> um so yeah but otherwise the match itself was great uh you could feel that they were going to go long as well like because i thought early on it was like a little bit slow paced for my taste but then they like quickly kind of ramped it up at around like the halfway point of the match and yeah. then just pretty much just went kind of like all out uh for the entire second half of the match including like a great finishing sequence as well with jake just I mean, literally holding on by the skin of his teeth to not like get suplexed by uh, Miyahara. Uh, I think that was actually my favorite spot in the entire match. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Jake didn't cut, kick out of the shutdown German because he's kicked out of it before. Mm-hmm. So I was, that was one thing that I thought. I think they might be saving that because I think he doesn't kick out of the shutdown if he's also winning the match. Okay. And I think they might be saving that. Uh, 
I mean, because that, I mean, one of my problems with the booking decision is because that means we're not getting Kento versus Yuma at Budokan. Right. That's pretty much guaranteed. Like, not pretty much. I think it is guaranteed at this point. Because yeah. I think there's really no way you can get the title back onto Kento before Budokan, pretty much. No. Because you're realistically going to get the title defense against Suvama, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, maybe we can lead right into that from this. Okay. Because Suvama came out after the match to challenge for the triple crown. So do you think that doing a quick title change onto Suvama now? Well, if I were Jake Lee, I would have refused the title because that makes you look like a bigger geek than losing to Kento here, if you ask me. Yeah, it absolutely does. But then do you main event Budokan with Jake Lee? Well, it looks like you're going to have to. Well, not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, given that Jake's holding the title, here are your options for the Budokan main event. Jake Lee versus Yuma. Yeah. Or Jake but- Lee versus Tanahashi. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you can get him. But yeah. Like, I mean, talk about, I mean, but then, like, it's not just Jake that gets geekified. It's the whole promotion that gets geekified. Yeah. Tanahashi just rolls into all Japan and just beats their champion at the 50th anniversary. Well, Cyberfight did it. <laughs> Although that this show has a lot more meaning than the Cyberfight Festival. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, wow. also, it's, again, yes, technically Kojima is a New Japan guy, but that's only because his New Japan contract hasn't expired yet. So Right. But it's still giving an outsider, like, a title. Uh, giving, the biggest, yes, yes. On the, you know, quote-unquote biggest show of the year. Yeah. Um, so... So it would be that, and then, well, or you just go straight back to Kento Miyahara as Jake Lee. Yeah, you could do that, but that just seems like, like, yeah, I don't know what they see, because I guess they still really like Jake, right? Yeah. Unless he's dropping the title to Suwama, and then they're just like, oh, we need someone to transition the title, but because, like, what, is Kento versus Suwama supposed to represent the promotion? I guess. I mean, they both used to be in Voodoo Murderers, and... They've already wrestled this year... Yeah, it was in a tournament match, but that was they, a different Suwama. They, they wrestled. Well, they wrestled in, they've had two. Oh yeah, they had. They wrestled in the Champion year. Carnival. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe if they had kept them apart longer, and or something like that, or yeah, you know, I don't know. But like, I just hope Suwama does. Look, I know I see a lot of mixed things, and I'm gonna say that like because this sort of ties into the show overall. I really like this show. I think this is the best top to bottom show that all Japan's had since 2019, since before the pandemic, actually. And, you know, wonky booking aside, there was also some great booking decisions on this show, obviously with yep. the tag title and just letting Hayato and Atsuki do their thing. Um, bring no- Naoya Nomura back. Bring so, like, no- Naoya Nomura back. Yeah, so I am bullish Although obviously, I, if I if Suwama wins, I think they piss most of that away. Yes, it it is just yeah, like the triple crown right now. Like it's just taking it off of like because now I actually kind of don't want to see Kento in the Budokan main event. Right. Because well, which is why Jake versus Yuma yeah. I think is probably yeah. the best thing they can do given what <laughs> the circumstances are right now. Yeah, I I also think that's the best. Like you just have him run through the royal. Like you just have Yuma win the royal road tournament. Uh, yeah, um, but again, like it just probably would have been that more special if that's where Yuma gets his first win, gets his first win over, uh, gets first win over Kento at Budokan, and now right. that definitely can't happen. No, but I'm still not fully convinced 
especially now that Yuma will be in that spot simply because he is in that feud with Noya Nomura. So it yeah. could very easily also be that it is like like semi-main is him versus Nomura uh, in Budokan. Right. Or the finals of the Odo tournament. And then you just don't have a triple crown match at the Budokan? No, or, like Yuma and, and Nomura face each other in the finals of the Odo tournament. Oh, oh, now I get you. Okay, I mean, that actually would be a way to get around that. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that option, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, if Yuma actually ends up in the main event of the Budokan, then I'm fine. Don't actually really care. Like, it would have been ideal if it was Kento. Yeah, I but think so too. But if Budokan ends with Yuma holding up the title, then I'm fine whether or not he beats Jake or Suwama to get there. Yep. But if it really is kind of anything else for the Triple Crown at the Budokan, then I'm just significantly less interested in that. I think technically probabilities as of right this moment, I think technically Jake versus Kento is the most likely Budokan main event. Like if you were to yeah. parse it out by percentages. And if Suwama's is yeah. winning the main, if Suwama beats Jake, the main events against Kento, it's got to be, right? Yes. No. I mean, if it, if it, if Suwama wins, then yes, it's definitely going to be Kento because like who else would even make sense? Like he's not going to defend it. Yuma wouldn't that. make sense either in that context because he just beat him in the champion carnival. It just doesn't feel right. And there's not as much built up between them no. either. No, I mean, they, they have feuded with each other before, but yeah. like, like mainly in like tag matches and there isn't that like long story. Well, maybe Ashino, the least likely thing, Ashino versus Suwama. <laughs> that would be such a weird 50th anniversary main event. And that would yeah. also mean that Ashino has already lost the, uh, the tag titles, which yeah. I hope doesn't happen that quickly. Yeah. Um, also during the show, and I don't know if they're getting crazy about they're ambitious here. They're, All Japan's doing a Cork and Hall show the day after Budokan on September 19th. And so it's All Japan Dash at Cork and Hall after the big uh, show of the year. I don't know what's going on here, but like, I don't kind of want to see what they have planned for this. I mean, we already got an announcement that Zeus is going to be on the show. No, 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 no. That's oh, what's that not? No, that's in, in July in Osaka. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, I mean, I can, because I like, like New Year's Dash, because I mean, and if they then make this kind of like this kind of Budokan show, like a regular thing. Are they resetting everything after the Budokan again? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I think that's kind of a good idea. Well, we'll see. Yeah, because there's, depending on how things go, they might need some resetting. Uh, what but if they I, just like disband Voodoo Murders and Suwama just goes back to normal, like after he loses the title to Kento and the Budokan? That would be so lame. Yeah. Like it just shakes hand with Dan. It's just like, oh, everything's fine now. Yeah. Uh, so I, well, we'll get into this in a second, I guess. Um, we'll just look at some. So yeah, I like the show, but you know, there's obviously things could go south. Like I said uh, on the last episode, yeah, I think there's lots of good stuff about the booking, but it could easily go south. So for upcoming shows, X is unfortunately not the Maltese Ricky Dozen. It's no. Shuji Kondo. So. <laughs> Why couldn't they announce that right away? I, I don't know. Because Kondo had already appeared with Voodoo Murders, right? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like if, a surprise that like Kondo isn't Voodoo. Like he was a, like we knew that already. <laughs> yeah. Which makes me wonder. Maybe okay, maybe okay, here's maybe one thing where maybe they did actually try and get Jani in, but then for some reason they couldn't get the visa processed in time. So they were just like, ah, oh, it's a Shoji Kondo. <laughs> Well, we have no proof it was supposed to be Gianni. It's just oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. But it's just weird that yeah. they just wouldn't announce Shuji Kondo. So that 
at the very least to me is like maybe they had different plans those fell through and then they were just like ah, this guy yeah for sure uh, so in june 25th in Toriyama, the big matches are suwama and shuji kondo versus yuji nagata and dan tamara i think the results of that match is pretty obvious yes uh and then the main event got moved around slightly because now that atsuki is rejoined with jake but the main event or yeah i think it's the main event it's kento ha- uh, rising hayato and shiro koshinaka versus jake yuma and atsuki um yeah, I might. I mean, I would assume that Hayato takes the pin in that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, or you know, Hayato pinning Atsuki is not a bad thing either. Sort of keep their rivalry alive because now they're rivals. Yeah, but now because then later you also have like Human Atsuki versus uh, Real Blood. So I'm oh, not right. sure if yes. you want to like yeah, 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 pin yeah. Atsuki. Um, that's a good point. Uh, so June 26th in Kyoto, the top matches are Jake and Yuma versus Suwama and Kondo, which I should also note, Suwama and Shuji Kondo are a former tag team. They have made it to the finals of the Real World Tag League. They were quite awesome. They have they had great matches against uh, Kojima and Tenzon, actually, back in like 07, 08 or 06, 07, I think it was. So if you can track those down, check those out. Those are great yeah. matches. Yeah, I actually expect Jake to get pinned here. Uh, well, that would be reassuring, <laughs> actually. Uh, because it would say that Suwama is not winning the triple crown, I think so, or at least lowers. Well, I mean, Jake and I know, I know, which is quite the swerve, but yeah, well, I mean, man, if I'm Jake Lee and I'm like getting punked out like this, I would be so pissed. I can't believe he would agree to do this. I mean, but if I mean, if there's one thing that we know about Jake Lee, it's just he just loves taking L's. I know, I know, this is why. Uh, so that, well, I mean, that'll be a great match. And then always uh, um, a tank title match. This guy can't stop challenging for titles. Uh, it's the champions, Hokuto Amori and Yusuke Kodama versus Izanaki and Black Mensa Ray. <laughs> um, after they didn't drop the tag titles for to um, uh, Hayato and Atsuki, I'm convinced that they're holding on to them until the Saitos get back. Yeah, watch them actually lose this though <laughs> yeah and then, now that we say that now they're definitely going to lose these yeah, yeah. Black and then they'll isanagi and black monster i'll lose into the saitos without defending them or something I, that could also be the thing yeah where they just come in at boot i, I assume maybe that they're coming in at budokan i would assume well i'll, I'll mention them more in a bit uh sort of yeah. a saito uh, brothers update yeah and then on this show i thought this was interesting hikaru saito versus aski aoyagi yeah, that one, I'm actually curious how that one is going to go because like, okay, that's what we expected the match with Budokan to be, but obviously yeah. that's not going to be the case. But I assume Atsuki wins. I think so. Like That would make the most sense if you want to start building him up for yep. uh, Budokan. Yep. I'm assuming that Tiger Mask is, or whoever the, you know, whoever the PWF Junior Champion is, it won't be defending in August during the Odo tournament. Yeah. Is he going to be in it though? Who? Tiger Mask? Probably not. Yep. Probably not, but I mean, it is open weight, so yeah, could be. But they 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 managed to put thirty two people in there last year with little problems, so I don't think they really need them. Yeah, I assume it's going to be thirty two man again. It should yeah. be. Um, and then on uh, July 9th, just a couple of announcements. Um, this is kind of cool. Tiger Mask and Kosei Fujita from New Japan will be facing Dan Tamer and Ryo Inoue, sort of building up to Dan's challenge. So that's something to look forward. Yeah, and then uh, Suwama versus Hikaru Sato. That one, that one, I'm actually really looking forward to. That yeah. one could be really interesting. It could also be incredibly short. Is Sato taking another L? Yeah, I, I would expect that Sato takes another L. Well, then that means is Sato beating Atsuki? 
No, I think you can have him get beaten by odds. Then again, I don't know. He doesn't do that many jobs. Yeah. I don't know. It's actually just something kind of that I just noticed looking over the card. Where Akuma Doi? Yeah. Well, they weren't on the Ota Watcher and they're not announced for anything. No, not all the full the cards are out show. though for yeah. um, for July. The the end of the month ones are, but they're not on them. Um like there's nothing for them to do right now, really. I don't think it's a huge, huge loss. And they've missed shows before. So it's not like a big deal, I don't think. But we'll see. They're not an Odo tournament this thing's up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're still listed on the website as like members of Total Eclipse and everything. So I don't yeah, think yeah. too much there. I but... guess Total Eclipse still exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because they already took uh, Atsuki off of Nextstream on the website. So like, okay. they're always weird on like what they update on the website and what they don't because Akira is still on there. Yeah. He's been in the promotion a long time. <laughs> So yeah, and the bodyguard is also actually still listed on the on the roster page. Well, the bodyguard pops in from now and again, as we'll get yeah. to in a moment. Uh, so July fourth or fourteenth in Cork and Hall, uh, this should be great. Yuma and Atsuki Oyagi versus Nao Nomura and Mizuki Watase, real blood. So the feud continues. Oh yeah, um, this should absolutely rule. I think yeah, this has the potential to be like a really really good match as well, especially that you also put it on Cork and Hall. Yeah. And then in a build-up, uh, oh, I guess we should have mentioned this. Um, Erie and T-Hawk are challenging for the titles, tag titles. Um, Paul, do you have a chance? Um, they, do you think they'll win? I think they have a chance of winning, but I would say that they're keeping out on Ashino and Honda. Uh, Erie beat Ashino in the Champion Carnival, right? Yes. And T-Hawk so. did too, right? Yes, yes, yes T-Hawk. I know T-Hawk did. I know T-Hawk did. Because T-Hawk just like no-sold a, a T-Bone suplex and put in Pindashino with a cradle. Oh, oh yeah, right, right. I remember, yeah. It was actually one of his best matches in the tournament. Yeah. And I think Irie beat him. So I think they're winning. And I mean, like, they both beat Honda as well. Yeah. And Irie, I don't think Great can really control what Irie does, right? Because he's just a freelancer. Yeah, he is a freelancer, Yeah, yeah. And so on this show, it'll be uh, Ashino Honda and Tachibana. They're still as of yet unnamed unit versus T-Hawk, Iria, and Lindemann, which should another, be another banger. Mm-hmm. And that very much rolled, but I mean, Tachibana's taking the fall here. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And then uh, for the PWF World Junior Heavyweight Championship, Tiger Mask versus Dan Tamara, um, which, I don't, what do you think of this match? Because like Tamara can't carry like an old, an old guy like this. No, because he's like right now is like the best when he's like selling, which I don't think Tiger Mask is like that compelling of an offense for like Dan to sell for. Because he's also like getting beefy now himself, so it would be just kind of weird. Yeah, he's yeah, starting. Not, he's starting to he, resemble the Tiger Mask in the front row of all Japan shows. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I mean with that said, I was also like partially through the show i was kind of confused when i was like wait why is it? and i was like oh right no right it's just the normal fat tiger mask that is in the audience did briefly think that tiger mask just sat down after his match <laughs> um, um but yeah, i don't know what to expect for this match like i mean i don't give dan any single chance of winning this match no. but i mean maybe it will exceed expectations but i'm just i mean this is definitely like the biggest spot for dan so far but yeah i don't know Really not sure what to expect here. 
and then be. i mean it could also be short like it could just be like a five minute match or something yeah for sure like it'll be 10 to 12 i think i it, will, it definitely won't be as long as uh the match against sato yeah um so i'm thinking 10 to 12 and maybe even shorter and then of course for the triple crown uh jake lee versus suwama uh i think suwama is like wants to show what jake a real heel is um so I don't know what this is going to consist of. Are they just going to wrestle this straight? Is there going to be shenanigans? Is Suwama going to like choke Jake with shit and like throw guardrails at him? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, I would I would expect so because again, like the whole Suwama heel turn is kind of based off of him facing off with like total eclipse and that yeah. voodoo murderous match. I'm just setting my expectations low. Yeah, and then I can hopefully be surprised. Maybe Jake. Look, if Jake is retaining, I think he'll work hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I'm still... This is so scary. To, this know. is such a like, weird Because then, like, you know, they, they piss away so much that they built this year. Yeah. I mean, say what you were putting it back on Jake, complete... but this is far worse. Yeah. What, it, what would actually be worse if Suhama just pins Jake clean or if it's just a complete bullshit match with, like, nonstop run-ins? I, 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 I still go with the bullshit run-ins or worse. Yeah. Because you're doing this in a triple crown match. Yeah. In Corican as it's well. The sacredness of a triple yeah. crown. Um, so yeah, no, I don't know. I'm still leaning towards Jake, but we'll see. Uh, maybe the build-up shows will uh, send us uh, a different uh, message. And then so... I prefer it if Jake wins, but I'm also just leaning into like the fact that Jake just is just maximum geekified from probably leaning at Suwama's winning this. Uh, this will maximum geek of, uh, geekify Jake if yes. he does lose. Absolutely, no yes. question. He's he's toast. He's damaged goods if he loses this match, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, but, but I think maybe that's already the view that they have on him anyway. So that's yeah. why, like, this, this might be why, because they want to, because they didn't want to have Kento lose the bullshit match to Suwama, because for some reason they wanted Kento as the challenger and in Bodokan. yeah, and so they're putting in Jake because they don't really believe him in any way and give him this like quickie second title reign and just have him get punked out by I Swamp. mean they still put him back in the they still put him in the carnival finals they still had him like yeah. have all those singles matches before he challenged or faced Kento it doesn't you know they he just they just keep putting out merch for him he's got a new t-shirt that we talked about last week and a new yeah. like towel that people wave so it's like i could see like i could see if they had lost faith in him but i like feel like everything that they've done since he's come back doesn't really feel like a loss of faith necessarily yeah i mean we will get a definitive answer here yes we will and maybe if you just if you just get punked out by savama then we know that they think he's a geek yeah uh, and then on July 8th uh, or 18th in Osaka at the Osaka Flower Expo Memorial Park, Surumi Ryokuchi Hanamizuki Hall, uh, which <laughs> could is... Lo- that, could you have made that name longer? Well, that's a translation name, but this is located in a, a large like public park in like Eastern Osaka. I looked it up. And this is also on a Monday, which is a holiday. So I assume maybe this is some sort of like flower ex, like flower type festival or like summer festival going on at the same time uh as the show maybe because it starts I mean, in the afternoon I'm curious and if are they going to like sell tickets or is this going to be just i think like tickets are on sale for that no i think tickets are on sale for this 
I mean, it could, like, I would assume also that means they can, like, make noise as well because it's outside. Well, I don't know if it's outside because there's, like, a there's a sports complex in the park. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so on this show, you've got um, Izanagi um, challenging the winner of Tiger Mask and Dan Tamara. Uh, and then the world tag titles. And hopefully I, they get a chance to main event the show. Although I'm not completely sure it might be like be well, so Zeus and bodyguard were announced for this show. And so I'm thinking if the world tag isn't the main event, it's going to be some multi-man with like Kento and like all those guys. Yeah. But really I, the, I could, I, I think the tag titles are going to main event here. Okay. Yeah. We'll get the most time. Anyway, T-Hawk versus Irie, incredible yeah. match. I'm looking forward to, I'm still yes. leaning before I'm still leaning towards the, you like making Irie tap out or pinning him or something. Yeah. Uh, I, also think that they're going to win, but I think the match is going to be great. Oh, yeah. I think so far, actually, like, I mean, for all of the criticism that we've given the booking of the tag title sometimes, I think pretty much all of the title, like, all of the tag titles matches so far this year have been great. And this absolutely has has a chance of being the best out of all of them, which yeah. I think is really high praise. Well, Ashino's been champion with two um, different partners, but you could certainly say he's one of the best tag team wrestlers of the year. You know, yes, even if yes, it's not absolutely. the best team. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that, oh, uh, Saito Brothers update. You also noticed that a certain other high profile wrestler has not been on recent All Japan shows. Uh, Paul, uh, Tajiri has not been on them because Tajiri is now in the UK with uh, the Saitos mm-hmm. and they're going to be working some shows. Uh, you can see everything like uh, Tajiri's tweeting out from his account. He was um, doing a training session and some like, um, uh, British uh, wrestling school. There was all, everybody in the ring and they took a group photo and everything. Uh, and so they got a match, like Tajiri's wrestling. They got a match at some, like, was it World Pro Wrestling in the UK? Yeah, some then, like tiny promotion. There, yeah. yeah. And then they're doing OTT in, yeah, in, in right. Belfast, I think. Yeah, in Belfast. They're working Kings. Now, to be fair, I mean, fuck OTT, but they are going, like the Saitas are going to work the Kings of the North. Yeah. That's kind of a perfect fit for them because if I had to pick kind of what I want the Saitas to work like, it would be somewhat like the Kings. Mm-hmm. So I hope that they'd like take some notes when they work those guys. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know if the Saitas are on these shows, but I would assume they probably are, but I believe it's July 8th or 9th or 7th or 8th. Tajiri's in Vienna. Um, yeah. So I don't, I, but I, as yet to find out if the Saitos are with him on that show. So if you're in Vienna, you can see Tajiri if you, if you want to, or you also published a book. Yes. He also published the book. What pro wrestlers are trying to show the audience. Uh, So I went and it's about like, he sends like a a, a Amazon Japan link, but it's a Kindle. So anyone can get it. Uh, I went to look at it and it's a Kindle book. It's 2499 American, which I thought was pretty pricey for a Kindle book. You can get a hardcover book for that. Yeah. I mean, now, it's probably paid for the, tra- probably costs because you got to pay for the trans- translate the translation of it, right? I'm still considering Ooh. picking it up, but I haven't yet. And if that's I do, I'll review it, but. Quite pricey, I have to say. Yeah. Like, that's, that's like twice as much as I would have expected it to cost, to be honest. Yeah. But he, I mean, he is plugging it like a lot because like, for example, on that post that he made, from the training session, you also had the Amazon link below it as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, he's, you know, tell it to people. He's he's a consummate worker. You know, yeah. got to got to push the 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 downloads. Uh, I probably will 
give in at some point and buy it, but we'll see. How many does it say how many pages that it has? Um, you know, I didn't check because that's also like if he wants like 25 and it's like 100 pages, then no, <laughs> that is a uh, it's like what 40 cents a page that's pricey. Yeah, you can get like huge books for like you know what 12 to 15 dollars. Like, how much does a bestseller cost? Like a recent release, I would say like. 12 maybe 12 yeah. euros 12 15 yeah. euros yeah but so and like again like for like 25 euros you can normally get a hardcover book yeah like because that like a soft cover is like 12 15 but like you can get an actual like proper hardcover book that you can put like on your shelf and everything for for the same price yeah so well well we'll see uh, i might give in at some point because it talks about his time i read the like the the thing about it and uh I think it talks about some of his time in uh, WWE and talks about working with like William Regal and stuff. And like, honestly, I'm kind of curious about that. So, you know, see what's going on. I mean, definitely are. interesting to read. It's just, yeah, that price point is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, also, um, once again, All Japan is having an Osaka wrestler challenge in Osaka and almost certainly losing. Uh, an Osaka wrestler has not gotten a big win in Osaka since Zeus won the Triple Crown in 2018. Well, I mean, he also didn't draw on that so i guess that's maybe why they decided they've decided to go the wwe route and just have you everybody lose in their hometown yeah i mean well not in their hometown just osaka guys yeah so uh and i mean they've drawn better in oh yeah hokuto retained so working <laughs> hokuto retained the title in, in his home uh, prefecture yeah so it's just jobs for so uh, for osaka guys everyone else gets to win at home yeah and so yeah and zeus and the bodyguards match hasn't been announced yet and then we did the Seto brothers and Tajiri update. Uh, I would assume Seto, that's why I was talking about them. Like, I assume they're going to be back for Budokan and probably win the All Asia Tag Titles. And yeah. so this is where we would have talked about the Noah show, but it has not been uploaded uh, to Wrestle Universe, or at least I couldn't find it and you couldn't find it either. So I don't think it's on there. We can but talk we, about the number though that they drew. Because I think that was actually a really good number. Yeah, 800 people in uh, Kyoto. Kobe. Yeah, uh, Kobe Samba Hall. It oh, was, was Kobe Samba Hall. Okay. Yeah. Which is really good. Yeah. Because uh, like generally people will like will draw like 300 people in there on average. Yeah. If even that, like generally that's even considered like a good number in that in that one. So like drawing like twice as that twice of that, like it's because we've been really critical of like no numbers recently, but like have to give them credit here where like that's just a really good number because it's also like drawing that as well. With, I mean, it was an okay card, but not like it was like, no different. It's not than that those, they loaded it up. Like. Well, they would have drawn like 450 in Cork. I think it's them being outside, and maybe they haven't yes. had a show yes. in Kobe recently. Yes, that that is actually that like, would have drawn 400. Next point as well. Yeah, like. they would that would have drawn 450 in Cork. <laughs> yes, because really, to me, like what the show is like, that uh, companies need to go out of Tokyo anymore. More. Yeah, because Tokyo is just completely burned out, and like what, like we saw that with all Japan going to Sapporo and drawing good numbers. We saw it now with Noah going to Kobe and drawing great numbers. Like companies just need to like just reduce their Tokyo shows and just go to the rest of the country more because clearly there's massive demand. Yeah, to for like um, to go there and you can draw like great numbers with just putting on okay cards. There are some pretty good New Japan numbers too in like mid-sized smaller cities as well. So yeah, definitely something that they've got to start doing. 
And so some other notes uh, for Noah, uh, some more Macs were revealed for the uh, Budokan show on July 16th. We got Ninja Mac versus Dante Leon, which I think surprised a lot of people. I don't know if I've ever seen Dante Leon. If it, if it has been, it's been like in a GCW scramble. Um, I, yeah, it's not that great. Yeah, like, I'm that's, really disappointed with I, this match. I've seen, like, uh, I've seen him have a few defenders that most people don't seem to like him. Yeah, it's like, and to me, it's like, okay, so you bring Ninja back, back to Japan for him to have a match that he could also have in like a VFW hall in like, I don't know, Kentucky or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just, instead, you're just going to do it in the Budokan. It's like, I don't know. Like, I, the, the draw for me for Ninja Mac in Japan is to see Ninja Mac work like the Japanese guys and not yeah. like work another American. Like, I have no interest in that. Yeah. Or like some Lucha guy that he hasn't faced before that they bring. Yeah, exactly. Like, to have like a fresh match. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely not a fresh match. No. Like, I, apparently, he's Mac's friend, so. Yeah, but still, I mean, I don't know. Like, because with Mac, like, there isn't criticisms about, like, how he works and everything. But, like, at least there's, like, his athleticism is undeniable. Yeah. Whereas Dante Leon, like, I've never really seen all that much in him. So, like, this just feels like the promote nowhere doing, like, Mac a favor after he got super over. Yeah. But, like, I don't really have any expectations for this and hopefully this is not like a trend like i hope afterwards like mac just starts working more with like actual noah roster members well i mean it's pretty clear cyberfight has a relationship with gcw and like in- a weird combination ddt gets aw and noah gets jcw well no backwards well because janelle is going to uh ddt true but like i don't know it's, like it still feels backwards yeah we're like would love to see some AEW guys in Noah rather than for like, sure Dante Leon. Oh, that would be such a political or some mess. of I... the other people that are going to be on the show as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think you, we can all figure out who came up with this match. Uh, hardcore match Robin Nam and Masato Tanaka, Team ECW versus Nasawa Ranga and Super Crazy. <laughs> oh my god, is Super Crazy gonna turn on Nasawa here? It's possible. And then he's going to join up with Tanaka and RVD and we get like an ECW faction. Mm-hmm. Actually, okay. literally just thought of that. And now I'm like kind of completely convinced myself that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I mean, that's also the other thing because are RVD and Tanaka going to come out to the ECW team like crazy, super crazy and Tajiri in all Japan? It wouldn't shock me. <laughs> Japanese promotions don't seem to give a shit about that. So no, <laughs> It's weird how like ECW nostalgia is hitting Japan like 15 years after that was a thing in the US. <laughs> well, yeah, because like there were times when Japanese promotions could have brought in Rob Van Dam because he wasn't in like WWE or yeah. Impact or whatever, but it's now hitting it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, um, and then so in a rather random teaming, it's Goshi Ozaki. Takashi Sugera and Kazuyuki Fujita versus Masakatsu Funaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, and Manabu Soya. Um, I mean, that'll probably be good. Um, does Nakajima take the pin here? Probably. Well, I mean, Soya's I mean, right I don't there, really but... see Wells <laughs> in this. Like, Soya obviously could take it as well. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, I, I think that will give us a good indication on how much they want to punish Nakajima. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned on our last episode, what will be the main event is Satoshi Kojima versus Keno for the GHC title, of course. But what's the real main event, Paul, of this show? Well, it's going to be Keiji Mutu beating Kaito Kiyomiya in 10 minutes. <laughs> yep. 
so it's Keiji Muto versus Kado Kiyomiya called Wrestling Love Forever One. The final countdown is the name of the match. Um, does Muto lose his first retirement match? He should, but he oh, won't. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, Kaido's really toast then. It's. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he even like gets damaged that much by like losing to Muto one more time. Because I also don't think he would be helped all that much by winning here either. So uh, it's still better than losing, but yeah. The, I mean, he, the, he the ideal sort of like time was before, but yes. Um, now, does he lose here and then beat Mudo on another one later Maybe. on? I mean, Mudo is already talking about adding more shows. Yeah, he talked. He floated a sixth in in so, Tokyo Sports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but we got well. This is all tentative, of course, because. Uh, you know, maybe his hip doesn't last <laughs> till uh, the other dates or, uh, you know, someone else like New Japan or something may come and offer. Uh, but on September 25th at Grand Ship in 2022, Nagoya at the Aichi Prefectural Gym, he has a match. He has a match at the uh, Ariaki uh, show uh, in um, October. Yeah. And uh, the great Muda retirement match will be on January 22nd at Yokohama Arena. So he did kind of put the kibosh on our conspiracy theory that he was going to continue wrestle as the great Muda. Right. Well, um, Paul, he's got a third persona uh, that's like a sort of dark Hakushi thing. I can't remember what the name was, but he did it in all Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he, re- when he was feuding with Hakushi, yeah. Yeah. So he, has to, he still has that to retire. Uh, but, Paul, they're doing Yokohama Arena... Uh, exactly three weeks after doing the New Year's Budokan show. Now, does that cannibalize it? Because you don't have Mudo at the Budokan, but you've got him at three weeks later at Yokohama Arena? A little bit. I mean, it depends what the GHC title match yeah, is going of to course. be for the Budokan show. So, But is that just ambitious to run those two shows so close I mean, together? that's the entire Noah schedule anyway. It's super ambitious. Yeah. But so, that I seems mean, it, really works, crazy. That's real if it works. Like because apparently Yokohama's not cheap. Yokohama Arena is not cheap. I remember uh, hearing that well years ago. It was, yeah. But I assume it's still I mean, not. It's not run super regularly. So no, it's like because it's a modern fancy yeah. arena. Yeah. I mean, it's also I'm curious, like for the Ariaka show as well, like what match he's going to be in there for that. Is, yeah. Is he going to be in a title match? Yeah. I mean, does he challenge Kojima after beating yeah. Kaito? And does he drop it or does he? Oh, I can't believe it. he's not going to pull over and Ganyu and retire with the title. No, he's, just, he's 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 gonna, and it's going to be the summer of Keiji Muto. He threatens to retire with the title and then he does that. Oh, yeah, he's going to beat Kaito in that final match as well, in his retirement match with yeah. the belt. Yeah. Oh, and so, um, and other notes on the Budokan uh, announced, but not matches yet. Uh, Stallion Rogers, aka Kurt Stallion, and then Anthony Green will be on that show. Paul, do you have any thoughts about them? I've only seen, I've never seen Rogers and seen Anthony Green a few times. He's not bad. He's a fun little worker, but like he doesn't really give me a Noah, fit into Noah vibe. No, and Rogers is another one of those guys. Like he's also like an elegant guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also someone that has some, said some incredibly shitty things in the past. So there's that with him as well. Uh, Anthony Green, not a controversial person, at least as far as I know, but also not someone that like really like excites me all that much i mean mm-hmm. maybe he will exceed my expectations because i mean i kind of kind of had the same feeling uh previously with the previous crop of foreigners well, well. right but, but gosh i can see why he yeah would fit in even if i yeah. wasn't sure that he was i could 
like it made sense, right? It was always they... like a thing with style-wise, he definitely fits in with the style. It's just can he actually keep up yeah. with the Noah guys? And turns out yes, he can. Whereas green is like just your very standard American style kind of indie, not even indie, but just American style kind of wrestler. Yeah. Like he's not bad, but he's like solid. Yeah, he's solid. I don't know if that's like but US indie solid. Yeah. Like if that's really like a thing that is like gonna fit in well with Noah. Um so I, yeah, I'm I genuinely look, I'm not against like bringing in people from the Indies to give them a chance. I mean, if you look traditionally at Japanese companies, you would be shocked at some of the names that they gave a tour to over the years just to see oh, if, uh, how absolutely. they could hang. So that's, that's some not people really... that they gave multiple tours. Yeah, some of them. Uh, so, but my point is, I'm just curious who they have scouting these people. Like I can think of way better names on the US Indies to give a, even just, you know, give a kick of the tires to. I mean, it feels like it is to some degree. It's Elgin actually that is feeding some of these guys in there because I don't think they're booking someone like Stallion Rogers. Right. It feels like Elgin is feeding them guys. Is Green, I'd have to look more into Green's career if, if he knows Algon or something. Like, I never, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that, but like Rogers is definitely like a guy that is only there through like the Elgin connection. That makes sense. Um, yeah. But I definitely, like, it definitely feels like they're just kind of throwing shit against the wall to see what sticks. I mean, so far they've had a pretty good hit rate. Yeah. It's just that, like, yeah, I don't know. Dante Leon, Stallion Rogers, and Anthony Green is like, I don't know. When's the countdown to violence is forever getting booked to Noah? I would love that would be awesome. I, I would love that. That would be great. Like especially Kevin Koo, I think actually would get over really huge in Japan. Yeah. Although maybe he can't come in because of all of the tattoos. Well, I mean, look at all the other Yeah, that's true. All of tattooed, have tattoos. Tattoos. Yeah. Um but he would like he, I think he would get over like re, like he would he also fits in really well style-wise. Yeah. Like there's definitely guys you could bring in like just I don't know, bring in like an Adam Priest. That would be cool. Yep. For sure. Bring in, I mean, if you already have a bunch of like grapple guys, fucking bring in Danny Maccabee. Yeah. You just want to throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks. Like bringing guys that fit in well with the style of the promotion. Mm-hmm. Which Rogers and Green really don't. No. Like Green, especially, like I feel could stick out a bit like a saw thumb. Like, I don't know. I would say Green would have a better chance getting over in DDT with his like sort of goofiness. He hasn't really done that recently, though. Right. But just his look and everything too. Yeah, yeah. If he if he just restarts all of the goofiness, he could definitely like fit in better with DDT. Mm-hmm. And Dante Leon, I'm just like he just does nothing for me. Yeah. Like, maybe he just somehow manages to like pull out like another gear or something, but just by being in like the Budokan or something, it's like the biggest. I mean, it's by far the biggest arena he's ever worked in. Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, because if he fucks up, he'll he'll probably never come back. Right, if he doesn't have a good match. Um, so we move on to Dramatic Dream Team for their King of DDT first round. Uh, because of the slap heard around the world, um, Masahiro Takanashi got a um, buy in the first round. Uh, so there was only seven matches on the show. And that was how that Shinjuku face in Tokyo, drawing 444 fans for a super no vacancy full house which actually drew more than the second round, which yeah. is not usually how tournaments uh, tournaments are supposed to work. But uh, like I said... Also not how building sizes, given the building sizes yes. there as well. Yeah. Um, 
but this was a good number. This was a great number. This is actually like the best number in Shinjuku phase since uh, the pandemic started. Like actually yeah. to go back to like late 2019, because even shows early on in 2020 that didn't have capacity restrictions didn't draw this many fans. Right. Well, because indies run Shinjuku that don't yeah. sell it out, right? And a lot of indies do too, right? Yeah. Um, so in the first match of the tournament, uh, Hiroshima defeated Hideki Okatani in uh, nine minutes and six seconds with the Somato. I thought Okatani's intensity was good here. Like, I like him in eruption. Then, you know, Hiro- Hiroshima came back and then pinned him with the uh, Somato. This is like a three, you know, and a quarter, three and a half match, like in and out, you know, tell the story. Okatani cannot overcome the veteran, even d- despite his new persona. I mean, Okatani is still like somewhat of a young boy or just out of young boy status. I'm yeah. still not quite like, because he's technically, he's, he's the young, he's the eruption young boy, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, uh, for this was like a really nice kind of match to start the tournament. As I said, like Okatani was just kind of like showing off his fire, trying to get the upset on Harashima, but then Harashima just comes back with like his veteran experience and gets a relatively easy win overall. Just, yeah, solid, solid story and just good way to start off the tournament. In the third, or sorry, uh, in the second match of the tournament, uh, Naomi Yoshimura defeated Chris Brooks in 724 with the Harai Goshi. Um, I guess you could say this probably didn't go long enough. I thought it was fun for what it was. They did some fun, like good comedy with like, you know, getting his shoe caught, uh, Yoshimura getting his shoe tied up to like a guardrail on the outside and then having to get back into the ring and then like Brooks like stomping on his foot with no no boot on it and stuff like that uh you know a flash ending you know I thought it was good but I don't quite think this was as good as something that Yoshimura and Brooks could have done right it was just like a yeah. there's a first round filler match really yeah and we should also just quickly mention as well that we're only going to talk about the tournament matches here yes so we're not I'm going sorry to talk about anything i watched that kickboxing match for you people and always the waste of my time (laughs) okay (laughs) that also felt like a low-key like that they booked something like that like a shot at the oh of course it was like next door um but yeah so uh yep could have been better if it would have been just a straight up non-comedy match i mean but they did fine for like right but it's just yeah i was the comedy didn't bother me i thought it was fine it's just it was abrupt ending and a Yes. You know, short yes. match from given the talent of these guys. Um, now, when you also have like Yoshimura like tying up, or rather Brooks tying up Yoshimura like outside and everything. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, now things really picked up here. Um, Yuki Ueno defeated Cannon in 15 minutes and nine seconds with the BME. This is awesome, actually. Really good. Like the first, like, great. You should go out and watch this match of the tournament. Cannon uh, was a great pickup for DDT coming out of just tap out. I think he can actually really be a player moving forward even in Damnation TA. Um, yeah, I mean, I just thought like, bam, these guys were like, you know, young, fast, high-flying guys, and they just meshed together perfectly. Yeah. Um, I would like, this was really kind of part of a trio of like matches that to, in the first one that to me were like all really close to each other in terms of like quality. Mm-hmm. I think I preferred the other two as well. So we're going to talk about them later, but this was like a really good performance. Uh, like it was really impressive kind of as well, like being able to keep up with Ueno, who is just one of the best workers on the entire roster, or maybe yeah. actually the best wrestler on the entire DDT roster. Uh, and he really kind of showed that he can hang with him here. So yeah, I'm going to be really curious how he's going to develop like over the, the coming years as well. And maybe if they're going to like, 
do something down the line with him and Sasaki when maybe he eventually like breaks away when he eventually like breaks away from damnation. Uh, but for now, I think it's kind of perfect for him to kind of be in a faction there as well and kind of like just start to like make a name for himself in DDT. But yeah, just good match overall. Uh, in the next match, Daisuke Sasaki defeated Yuji Hino in eight minutes and 45 seconds with a horizontal cradle. I was just like, meh. Uh, you know, the Sasaki stuff happened. MJ Paul interfered. There was parts of this that Hino looked a little disinterested, but he still, you know, threw some nice chops. I don't know. I mean, I didn't like this very much. No, this was just a bit... Well, though not the worst it. match on the show. No, not the worst match on the show, but it was just kind of both guys just meandering around the ring and just doing shit, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as you said, like, Hino was just... Had also had like a bit of a case of like boo boo face um, yeah. that kind of gave away the finish in a way, and then Hino just yeah just kind of. I wonder I, if Hino thought he was leading zero one for greener pastures in DDT, and because they haven't really been doing that much with him. No, yeah, he's been kind of stuck in on like, but that's just kind of the story of Yuji Hino's career, isn't it? Yeah, like he got that one big push in Noah, and then that's been pretty much it. Yeah. And then, oh God, uh, Yuki Sexy Hino defeated Mao in 14 minutes and 59 seconds with the Earth Shisha. Paul, this was full of shit and yeah. big fat dud. Mao came out in a hazmat suit, <laughs> which was sort of funny for the first 20 seconds of it. And then it just, what do you expect? Like, Hino doing his, his, um, his usual stuff, his bare ass out, like doing the pipe thing where he's like farting into people's uh face and you know i mean i I, i've decided that you know it might be like my most hated wrestler right now it's just getting and because they still and you know what the thing is with it is like they still sort of push him to a certain level like so you're supposed to sort of take him more seriously than like the other pheromone members too yeah which is weird because yeah he's technically like the biggest guy in pheromones now which is very odd it's probably like it's like, I will say that I will just never really be on board with like DDT trying to convince people that like sex or sexual assault is funny. Right. Just, like it's just, it just always leaves like a, they, they, like just kind of a like sour taste in my mouth. And it's especially bad because Eno is like a good wrestler otherwise. Yeah. Like before the gimmick. And now he's just doing this shit all the time. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I find it very off-putting. Mm-hmm. And then, uh in the semi-main event, Jun Akiyama defeated Yukio Sakaguchi in 10 minutes and 46 seconds with a wrist clutch exploder. Uh, I saw some people sort of raving about this match. I thought it was good, but not great. Um, you know, Akiyama starting to show his age, I thought, in this match more so than I've seen before, to be honest with you. Um, I'm sure you could still turn it on uh, if you really wanted to for a big match, but it just was sort of, you know, kind of glaring here. Although there was some, I mean, it wasn't bad. It just, wasn't that exciting? Although there's some great like stiff shots from each other. Yeah, I, I thought it was definitely like Sakaguchi was the better guy in the match, but I thought he really did a great job at carrying the match as well. Because yeah, Akiyama didn't really work hard in this match, but like I think Sakaguchi made up for that. And just he was really the guy that just inserted like a lot of energy into the match. Uh, I, I, I get why Akiyama moved on, but I was also still really holding out hope that somehow Sakaguchi would be like win here. Um, but it wasn't to be, but I thought it was still like a really, really good match. Like, mm-hmm. I think I just slightly preferred, preferred it above Ueno and Kanon because I was just more invested. Oh, really? Okay. I was more invested into, in the mm. outcome of this match because I was 
just very certain that Duena was going to win. Yeah. Whereas on this one, I was like mostly sure Akiyama was winning, but I thought there was like an outside chance that Sakaguchi could pull it off. So that just kind of made the match more interesting to me overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as I said, like Akiyama was showing his age a little, but just Sakaguchi to me, like he made up for that. So it was just, I thought it was a great match. That's right. Tony, get Eddie Kingston over here before June is too far gone to have that match. <laughs> um, and then in the main event, uh, Kazusada Higuchi defeated Yukio Naya in 18 minutes and 45 seconds of the brain claw slam. Started a little slow, but God, this picked up and was just great. You know, like insert Big E meme here. Because um, they just really went at each other in in by the end of this, it was great. And Paul, we've said this on the show before, but Naya has really improved. Yes. This was, e- this was easily the best Naya singles match. Absolutely. I've, I've never seen, seen anything better no. than this. Yeah. No. Uh, so I think he's really like, hopefully this is really like the sign of him, like really putting things together now, uh, which, yeah, I think I talked about this before as well for like big men like him, like sometimes there's just this one flip switch that you need to flip and then all yeah. of a sudden they're really good. So maybe this is finally that moment for him. Uh, I thought it was also a tremendous job by Higuchi as well, because he sold, like, because a lot of this match was also, like, Higuchi selling for Naya as well. Right. Which I think helped Naya as well, to have a guy of the size of Higuchi, like, sell his offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought this was just a really great, like, big man match, just kind of throwing bombs at each other and just, like, beating each other up. Like, I've, I... I I'm actually willing to go like four stars on this match. Oh, yeah, so did I. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I also like, despite the fact that Naya like showed a lot here, I think Higuchi moving on is the right decision as well. Yes. Uh, But I really hope that this is like a performance that Naya can build on going forward and actually is finally like able to kind of like become like a proper like singles guy in DDT as well. Mm -hmm. And so we move on to. The second round was on June 19th at, at, in at Cork and Hall. This was, of course, also going on during the big uh, kickboxing show, and it only drew 430 fans, which not great. No. Um, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, it's not just this show. And, like, yeah, you can make the excuse with the fact that there was, like, the big kickboxing show going on next door. But, like, their numbers in Cork and recently have been yeah. really bad. Do you think it's Takeshita? It might be because him? they've like it really started to drop off after he left. Yeah, yeah, because that, that was the wasn't uh, was he on the show with Ueno and um, Endo? No, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. Yeah. I don't think he was. I can double check because I like wasn't wasn't the Sumo Hall show his last show before he went over? I think he might have worked like a let me just small show or two. See what his last match in DDT was. Oh, he did work the he did work the April show. He did work the April show. Uh, yeah, in Corican, where he lost to Burning and Sakaguchi. Oh right, yes. But and he, then he hasn't worked. DDT but he didn't work Max seven. Bump. I think was the show. So he didn't work Max Bump. Yeah, so he wasn't on that show. Okay, yeah, because that's when it sort of that was that was like, when it started to be notable. Yeah, yeah. and because so that show in Corican, that one drew five hundred eighty. So also that wasn't great. So. Definitely is a thing where like DDT has been struggling in Corrigan lately. Like if I just look like over the recent numbers, like they drew, like this was kind of the deal with like 430, but their previous show on the 1st of 
of June drew 480, and that had a universal title match on top. Um, then the show before that, yeah, so that was the last show with Takeshita, and that drew 528. That isn't really great either. So like, they're just really struggling to like put people into Korokan right now, which is a problem for DDT more so than other promotions. Because other promotions, as we said, like should go to other places and draw good numbers there, like Noah just did in Kobe. Yeah. But DDT can't really do that because they've never drawn outside of Tokyo. Like they're a complete Tokyo promotion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's not good. Um, no. So in the first match of the show, Kazusada Higuchi defeated Masahiro Takanashi in 441 with a brain cost slam. I admit I laughed because they had Valian Aki and Antonio Honda both <laughs> dressed up like Takanashi with like the bandana and the long hair. Like Honda was wearing a wig, but it sort of works with uh, Aki because uh, he's got the long hair too. So that was sort of funny and it was quick. So yeah, like yeah. good. I'm sort of curious what the original plan was. Do you think Higuchi would have beaten Endo here? Um, I assume that's yeah, what I could see that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because he probably wouldn't have put Takanashi. I mean, the Takanashi is a champion. <laughs> right. But... So I could have seen maybe that they could have put Takanashi over Endo as like a shocker. But yeah, probably I would expect this. This could have been like Higuchi uh, beating Endo here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like I like the comedy as well, like because Aki was also the commentator on the match. Yeah, the and he just well. like he's like I had went for a lunch break or something. Yeah. Got back. <laughs> so I thought yeah, I thought that was really funny because he actually did play it off really well. Where like there was like it was like because when he did come out, it was like Takanashi looks kind of weird, and when he was just walking down with those like completely bent over so that you couldn't say but with hair was just completely covering his face he couldn't see it at all yeah uh so yeah i i thought that was like there was comedy done well in this match and then higuchi still got like a really like dominant win anyway yeah. um yeah it, it is so hard to really estimate what their booking plans here would have been just because of the endo injury but maybe let's just say maybe there's a happy accident and maybe that will lead to like big things for higuchi but we'll yeah. see about that yeah, and as we guess we sort of mentioned him. I think Aki is getting a lot better in commentary. Yes, um, I thought he was really good on this show. Yeah, he still has his haters, but I like him now. I I thought he was really great in the main event. I, f- I think also like the the semi main. I thought he like really enhanced both of those matches. Yeah, because I'll uh, get to some of the stuff he said actually, which mm-hmm. I think is important. Uh, in the second uh, tournament match, Drew Nakayama defeated Yuki Ino in 1134 with the sexy, it's listed as a sexy paradise lock, which is basically he put him in the paradise lock, but then took the, it looks like a vacuum tube and put it from his, uh, Eno's mouth to his ass. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, had no choice, but to tap out or whatever, you can't really tap in a paradise lock or give up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because there was a couple of moments there when Eno like actually wrestled and it looked like there was like a brief moment of like, hey, this guy's actually got some talent. So I actually thought this was better uh, than the um, match against Mao, but not by much. And just, I don't know. I know that Akiyama had that match against Dino, but like that was yeah. somewhat wrestled pretty straight, like seriously, like type match, right? Yeah, so I actually uh, reviewed that one on Wrestling Omakase uh, with John Carroll. And I was really like, that match really exceeded my expectations. Yeah. But again, yeah, Dino, did, Dino did his Dino stuff, but he worked his spots in a way that they were actually like, like that was just his way of doing an actual competitive wrestling match. 
right. if that makes sense. Yeah. It felt different when he did it there, like because they actually looked like they were actual wrestling moves that hurt. They were done in they were just done in a Dino way. Whereas this one, yeah, it was just like a pheromones match that also featured Drew Nakayama, but it could have been anyone else in there. Yeah. And that might be my I mean, obviously, like all of the like kind of crassness of the gimmicks aside, it's also like the kind of sameness of the pheromones matches where it really doesn't exactly. matter who they're wrestling. Like no. it's just always kind of the same spots every single time. Yeah. There's only been one good pheromones match and that was at judgment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least the least worst. Um, then after that, we had Yuki Ueno defeating Daisuke Sasaki in 12 minutes and 49 seconds with WR. I thought this was kind of boring at first, but then it just, when the blood got yes. him, came out and it was like, and then the near falls at the end was like, oh, I ended up going four stars on this. And because uh, it's just really intense by the end, it was awesome. I didn't quite go. I I got close to that, but like just the start to me was just kind of boring. And yeah. I should also say that this match is actually the reason why we're like doing this like King of DDT review as well, because I just saw the pictures of Ueno like bleeding. I was like, oh, I think we need to put this on the show. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, and. But it was amazing, like, once uh, Ueno started bleeding, like, that's really when the match entered another gear. Like, before that, it was kind of similar to uh, Sasaki with Sino, where it was also just kind of, like, yeah. Sasaki doing shit. But then after, ma- after that, it really went into another gear. And this is also, like, where we really need to give some credit to Aki, because he really, like, put this over huge. You know, always, like, talking about the history between Ueno and Sasaki, about how Sasaki was just is just always destroying Ueno when they're in matches with each other, and this is just like just yet another time that the Sasaki is just like completely destroying like this like potential new ace of DDT, and then Ueno actually like managing to like come back from that and actually like managing to overcome Sasaki despite him bleeding like really profusely. Like I can't really over like overstate how much of a blade job Ueno did here. If that even was a blade job, or if, if he got like busted open, like, I think he got busted open by the chair because then he hit yeah. the chair when he did like the plancha, and then Sasaki hit him with the gun to do like the pop out cushion spot. Yeah, so yeah. That, this might have been like a hard way bleeding, as right? Well. Like, like it's, he, it's one of those things where you just like slightly graze like a side of the chair, and yeah. it'll just rip your skin up the metal. Yeah. So I thought this was yeah, this was really great after the chair shot, but I can't go for just because it was just kind of boring before that. But like everything after that, I would say is definitely like a four-star match. And then in the main event of the show, uh, in a pretty big upset, Naomi Yoshimura defeated Hiroshima in 19 minutes and 24 seconds with the Osaka Pride. This was wrestled, this was like the match in the, well, no, like, I guess the main event of the first round was wrestled like a big main event match, but this was too, like, you know, your slow, steady build. And then the, you know, they start pulling out bigger and bigger moves. There was an awesome spot where Hiroshima went for a uh, springboard, but then like Yoshimura popped up and like judo throwed him and everything. That was awesome. And just like, you know, like a huge moment for Yoshimura. He's like gotten so good. I think, um, from where he was, you know, not that long ago. And just like, you know, he can hang in into a, like a sort of epic main event style match. Yeah. Um, this one actually made me kind of sad that there were like so few people in Kurokan Hall because I think Yoshimura kind of deserved to have more people there to actually see like his, this big win over Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because I think this is, this really is kind of a signature win for him. 
think this really kind of goes a long way of like really like telling people that like Yoshimura has arrived now as a threat to be taken seriously in DDT. Because obviously like him and Dueno had that amazing uh, Nautilus tag team. Uh, and But then he kind of got left behind by Ueno a little bit. Right. But it was also because he got injured. Like because he was out for like, I think half a year with a back injury. And then it took him like a while to kind of like get back into the groove. But I think now, the, now he's kind of really like starting to catch up with Ueno. So I'm actually really looking forward because now those two are going to face off against each other in the semifinals. And I think that has the potential to be like a really amazing match because there's going to be like a lot of like emotion rolled into that as well. But yeah, I thought like I actually expect, I actually thought Hiroshima was going to win. I actually didn't expect Yoshimura to win. Um, but yeah, so that made it even that, that made it even like bigger for me when he actually managed to like pull it out. Because I, I actually really like the finish as well because it did give Yoshimura the win, uh, but he also basically just caught him. Like, like it was like a really sudden finish, but in a good way. Because mm-hmm. he just caught Hiroshima when Hiroshima came charging out of the corner and he just caught him with the Osaka Pride and pinned him. Yep. Um, so I think they also like left some... Like he beat him and it was a really good win, but I think they also like left some potential in there for them to have like another singles match in the future and then maybe give Yoshimura like like even more an even more definitive win as well. And so with that, uh, the semi uh, and finals will be on the same show on July 3rd at Corrigan Hall. It'll be Akiyama and Higuchi and Yoshimura versus UNO. And Paul will do some quick predictions here. I think a lot of people are on the Higuchi train right now. That's the feeling that I'm getting from yeah. a lot of people that want to see it. I'm I guess it makes sense on many levels, although it, you win, it would not shock me. To win the finals? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Akiyama said that to Enno that he was going to wait for him with the title. Mm. So that kind of would lead me to believe that Akiyama's so, beating Higuchi. But I think, like, to me, there's just so much momentum behind Higuchi right now that you kind of have to, like, capitalize on it. So how shall I put this? Does Higuchi seem like the kind of guy that they would make the top champion of DDT compared to like a Ueno? Like if you pick both of them, like Ueno is oh, no, like a Ueno. DDT champion. Yes, yeah. no, side to side it's Ueno, yeah. And so obviously like I could see them going back to Akiyama, no question, but I don't, there's just something about it, like Higuchi never gets it. Like, it, and I know I have so many people want it and everything like that, but it's, I, I don't, I but don't also, think do you really getting... think they're going to put it on Ueno because of like, based on like the max bump, num- max bump number right. that he did. Yeah, so I think Akiyama technically is probably your favorite, right? Yeah, he is the most likely one because he has the safest option because they know he can draw. Yeah. But I might actually be willing to put Higuchi second because if he beats Akiyama, then I think he's winning the final as well. But like, I guess, but what's his drawing? I mean, like- because that might be where they might just be like, go and are like, fuck it, let's just see if he can draw as a champion and if not then we can like put it on like Hiroshima or something to like stabilize the promotion afterwards but I think maybe this might be like if they don't put on Akiyama and obviously if Akiyama like to me the winner of Akiyama versus Higuchi is going to win the entire tournament yep that makes the most sense Um, so because I don't think I could maybe they're going to put it on Ueno but yeah I mean if it if you had to rank like the likelihood of like the finals, like I think Higuchi Yoshimura is like the least likely final. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would say Ak- 
then I would say uh, Ueno versus uh, well, Yoshimura versus Akiyama is then second least leg because I think just Yoshimura is probably losing against Ueno. Yeah, he got his big win. Yeah, and then I would say it's Higuchi Ueno and then Akiyama Ueno is like the most likely final, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I would just say that like you, sh- you should, I think DDT should just try with Higuchi and see if it works and if it doesn't put it on like Hiroshima. Yeah, I guess we don't know how long Endo's gone. And yeah, that's that. the thing as well. Like maybe if like, because that's the other thing, like, because like, would you just put it right back on Endo when he's healthy enough? Because then you can just give Higuchi like a short title reign, see if he draws or not. Because yeah. like, it's fine if your first title reign is short. Right. So you can just give him like a short, like one or two defense title reign and then put it back on Endo. Yeah, because I think they obviously had the longer term plans of Endo for all of this, yeah. right? So, so yeah. I think you don't really damage Higuchi if he just gets like a quickie title reign. No, because he might not have ever gotten that anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is um, DDT, King of DDT Tournament. Uh, really check it out, I think. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely worth it's it. Worth it. It's yeah. definitely worth a watch. Yeah. And skip while you could skip the Eno match. <laughs> yeah. But I also think you, you definitely can watch it because uh, you definitely should like catch up now because I think those like semis and finals are going to be really great. Yeah. You and have you got a way to catch, up as well. to catch up. Exactly. Yeah. It's all on, it's all up on Wrestle Universe as well. Yeah. So take it out. And the, the second show is English commentary that I thought was pretty good. Yes. Which um, I actually didn't expect. <laughs> no, uh, that was a nice treat. Uh, so I guess sort of with like DDT, which has its issues of its own, I guess, going down with Endo and losing to Keshida, I think like if well and i we could throw no into this too it's like i think in in all japan it's like the booking is going to ter- determine how things go not necessarily the match quality because all yeah, they've because, been delivering but yes. there's been some questionable choices or some choices that could fall apart really fast and you know once again i am incredibly scared of what happens that jake lee suwama <laughs> match i cannot stress that enough because i really have like what all japan is doing right lately and i think i might have higher tolerance for voodoo murders than some, although, you know, I don't love it. It should just be at best in mid card for a couple of months, but like that could really, really mess things up. So that's my final thought of the day on that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious if they're even going to stick around because they still haven't been added to the roster. No. The only no, voodoo that... murders guy on the, on the roster page is Suwama. Yeah. So, uh, well, no, uh, Toshizo's on there, but not as Toshizo. Oh yeah. True. Uh, yeah, about but also not listed as Voodoo Murderers again on that roster either. Right. So yeah, but, like I always yeah. felt like there's no way this is a long-term thing. And they could still screw it up even if it still was always planned to be short-term, of course, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's it. Uh, I, I think we are probably going to take two weeks from this episode to the next episode because there's not going to be much... Uh, until then, because no. we'll have DDT June's, finals. June's kind, the rest of June is kind of empty, yeah. Well, we got the couple All Japan shows, and then... Yeah, but that spot trust a lot. Yeah, but there's, there's probably going to be 30 angles on them. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'll have the uh, King of DDT finals, and there's a couple of um, uh, Noah shows, like on the... Actually, coming up on the 24th, I think, in, in that. So there'll definitely be plenty to talk about if we sort of give it a two weeks from uh, this week. Anyway. And we still have to have your awards. Episode. Oh, yes. And we still have to do the half year awards, which we will be doing. We've just been finalizing the uh, categories and everything like yes. that. Yes. So look out for that. And so, Paul, do you have any other final thoughts? Uh, no. 
not really, but I just wanted to agree as well with your point that like I think the wrestling is really good right now uh, in like all three promotions that we talked about today. But yeah, we'll see about the booking, and I hope that like there's been some encouraging signs for like the drawing as well. It's just that like go outside Tokyo, yeah. basically. My 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 final thought is like, don't stop booking Kurikan. <laughs> no, yeah, everyone, it's, it's be better for everyone in the long run, actually. Um, yeah, so um, I guess, sorry, but like, I guess we didn't really talk about it. But are you like disturbed at all that all Japan and I'm sorry, New Japan is gonna make too many ridiculous demands of all Japan with Tiger Mask? Yeah, and Nagata and everything like that. And it's going to be stupid and look bad for all Japan. I mean, there is a danger for that. We'll see. I mean, he lost. He just lost. Like, Nagata was just in a like, losing side of attack match. Yeah, but so that's it doesn't not really seem like a deal. super yeah. serious on that. It's just those title defenses are like, oh, well, if you're going to put him on the, t- the title on him, you've got to have X number of defenses before. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I think we'll get a better feeling of that uh, soon. But I, that's always something in the back of my mind on this. And uh, I don't know. So, okay. So we're over for real. So for Paul Bosch, I'm Gerard DeTrollo and we'll see you in two weeks.